As the moon slides in front of the sun, daylight starts to dim. Shadows sharpen and a strange dusk settles in. It was really kind of eerie and strange when the light started to change. Just before totality, anticipation mounts. Then, abruptly, day turns to night. But then as soon as total eclipse happened, it was completely dark. The black disk of the moon completely covers the sun, revealing the glow of the sun's corona. Sort of like an orange color, the sky felt kind of like it was approaching night, and it got stormier looking, and everything was extremely still. Planets and stars appear in the temporary night sky. And I will never forget hearing the crickets coming out and singing during the total eclipse. In those few minutes, you feel a surge of emotion and awe at the spectacle unfolding above you. And there was a lot of cheering and shouting and celebration over it. It's magical, mystical, an experience you'll never forget. Today, we are going off the radar to understand the astronomical phenomenon of eclipses. What you observe and feel is just amazing. How they're predicted, the different types, how to watch them safely, and where you should view them. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On Saturday, October 14th, the moon will move in front of the sun, partially blocking sunlight for much of the country. Then on April 8th, 2024, a total solar eclipse will be visible across a huge chunk of the United States. To discuss these exciting events and what viewers can expect to see and feel during an eclipse, I'm talking to Dave Jones from Storm Center Communications. Dave is a veteran of the weather and earth sciences industry. I met Dave about 20 years ago when I worked at the Weather Channel in Atlanta. We've stayed in touch over the years and crossed paths several times. Back in the 90s, Dave was a broadcast meteorologist for NBC4 in Washington, D.C., and he actually developed the very first TV weather website. In 2001, he founded Storm Center Communications and invented the GeoCollaborate technology, which enables geospatial data sharing in a real-time collaborative environment that works across all devices and platforms to improve decision-making. This year, NASA partnered with Storm Center Communications to make eclipse information accessible to broadcast meteorologists and educators. Here's my conversation with Dave Jones. 
All right. Dave Jones, a uh, familiar name and familiar face, especially in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for joining us today. But we're talking beyond the atmosphere a little bit for this one. Well, we'll talk about the atmosphere, too, and the role it plays. But all eyes are going to be on the eclipse coming up here shortly. So can you break down what is happening on October 14th and why an annular is different than a total solar? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And thanks so much, Emily, for uh, having me on your podcast. It's uh, it's always fun to talk about uh, weather, whether it's in space or whether it's uh, on the Earth here. And um, yeah, this this eclipse coming up, which is on October 14th, it's a Saturday, um, is called an annular eclipse. And so that means that the moon is just uh, far enough away from the Earth and its orbit where it's not going to block the entire sun. It's going to leave what scientists call a ring of fire uh, around the sun. And uh, that's going to be really spectacular because, um, you know, it's you, you see this dark ball move in front of the sun and then this this ring of fire around it. OK, so when you say the moon is just at the right distance, is there specifics as far as how how far the moon has to be away from Earth in order to fall under this annular category? Well, I guess it's uh, it's anything further than uh, uh, 400 times. Like the, the moon um, is uh, 400 times uh, smaller than the Earth, and the Earth is 400 times smaller than the sun. So that's why we can see uh, these eclipses. And, of course, the moon has a – it's not a circular orbit. It's more – uh, of an oval uh, type of orbit around the Earth, just like the Earth has an oval sort of orbit around the Sun, um, and so when you is you can have an annular eclipse, and the Moon can be a little bit further away, and then the ring of fire is a little bit larger, or it can be a little closer, and it's uh, it's a little bit thinner. But when you um, you know get to that sweet spot of uh, having a total eclipse, um, then uh, everything changes, including many people's lives. <laughs> yeah, I saw the one in 2017, yeah. and um, I it was not an annular, correct? No, that was a total solar eclipse that went in. I was I was in Salem, Oregon, uh, covering it actually for NASA. Uh, we had a satellite truck there, so we were we were broadcasting it live, and uh, actually did uh, we connected um, a, a heliospheric um, scientist, um, doctor, we call her Dr. Alika. Um, she, uh, she was live and she was actually on with, um, Veronica Johnson. Uh, and it was uh, simulcast, uh, throughout many stations, uh, that, uh, that they were broadcasting to and sharing that signal. And so that was really exciting because you could have the eclipse and you could see it from Oregon and then have, uh, Dr. Alika talking about, uh, impacts that uh, total solar eclipses have. And there are a lot of them. That was a big one, too, because it covered such a huge part of the U.S., right? So the number of people that could see that totality was just huge. This is this is a smaller group, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, this this eclipse that comes uh, that comes across is uh, going to impact. Um, it's going to be a lot of people. As a matter of fact, uh, the the annular eclipse that comes across is going to impact a lot of national parks and uh it's it's so so it's really kind of cool because you know national parks don't usually get overly crowded uh and if you plan your trip 
uh, for the for the uh, for the eclipse, then you'll be able to um, interact with not only the beauties of national parks, but see uh, the eclipse as well. So the one that I saw, it was not an annular, but there was still mm-hmm. kind of a glow um, right at totality around. So it wasn't the Ring of Fire. And now I have Johnny Cash in my head and can't get it out. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everybody's going to be singing it for the next week. Um, so what 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 am I what was I seeing when I looked up and did see that glow? So that is really, uh, I mean, some people almost say a spiritual experience uh, because when you look up and you see that glow, it's actually the corona uh, of the sun. You're seeing uh, the magnificent corona, which you cannot see during the day because the brightness of the sun just overshadows uh, the corona. But when the moon moves in front of the sun, you can see that. And uh, it's just spectacular. It's like almost seeing the, the sun's magnetic field and, and how it's changing and things like that, things shooting out. When we were observing the eclipse in Salem, Oregon, it was crystal clear. Uh, There wasn't a cloud in the sky. The humidity was low. It was risky because sometimes you can get that marine layer moving in uh, to Salem, Oregon from the Pacific. So it was a little risky, but uh, it was spectacular. And you could see that corona and you could feel the temperature drop uh, when when, when the moon covered the sun in, in totality, but then you could also see these flares uh, coming off the sun. And, you know, that's the only time that you can see something like that unless, you know, your uh, satellites launch from NASA looking and observing the sun all the time. <laughs> what is it going to be like with the annular eclipse compared to a total eclipse? Is it going to get as dark or does it stay a little bit lighter? So, yeah, no, that's a great question. So it will stay a little bit lighter. Uh, it doesn't, you don't get that uh, path of totality. You get a path of annularity. And that path of annularity is still awesome because you can see the moon moving in front of the sun. Uh, but w- what you'll see, it's, you know, because the size of the moon um, is slightly smaller than the apparent size of the sun, it's the outer edge of the sun that you'll see. And and so uh, it, it, it'll appear as this brilliant ring. And if you have your, your eclipse glasses on, as a matter of fact, this is what they look like. These are eclipse glasses. And, uh, you know, you put them on, I can't see you at all. It's dark, <laughs> right? it's, it's dark. Uh, these are They're so attractive. And, and, <laughs> yeah, this is great to put on. Like when I go to a restaurant and order something I don't, I don't like, or they have some Brussels sprouts or something, I'll just put these on. It. <laughs> Can't see what you're eating, but um, but these glasses are uh, critical to wear because you know there many people think strange things will happen if you. You know, your parents, when you're growing up, telling you, don't look at the eclipse, you'll freeze, or you know, don't do, even. Um, you know, some people have I haven't weird heard that out, one. <laughs> uh, thoughts uh, about what what will happen if you look at a you look at a uh, annular eclipse. You need to wear that eye protection during the annular eclipse the entire time, uh, so you can see and observe that ring around the sun. So it's not like the total eclipse where, when that was in totality, you could actually take off the glasses. Exactly. The annular, you need to keep them on the entire time. Exactly. So keep those glasses on the entire time and. If you don't have eclipse glasses, you can look at these eclipses indirectly, right? So, so you can you can create what's called a pinhole camera, 
And you can do it with anything. You take an index card, put a little, punch a little hole in that index card, and then turn your back to the eclipse and hold that card up. And the projection of the eclipse will be on the paper that you hold underneath of it or the ground or a table or something like that. So you can see them and, and, and be safe. And the reason why you don't want to look up at an eclipse is because uh, if it's not total, it's way too bright. You'll damage your your eyes. It's you know nothing um, spectacular or out of the ordinary that happens if you look up at an eclipse, uh, except the light is just way too bright coming out of the sun, and uh, and you'll damage your eyes. Okay, so we don't want to damage our eyes, and the pinhole thing sounds a little lame. So where can we get these glasses, and how can we make sure that they're safe? Surely there's some counterfeits out there. Yeah, yeah, no, there's, as a matter of fact, on these glasses, and um, uh, NASA sent these uh, glasses to me, uh, they are ISO 12312-2. That is the certification number that you have to have on those glasses, and they're printed on the inside of the glasses, right? So you can kind of see them uh, right here, the ISO um, standard, and that will keep them uh, that that means that they are safe to look at the sun through. And yes, there are counterfeits. And also, if you may have glasses from the last eclipse, from the 2017 eclipse, you want to check uh, the glasses themselves. If they're wrinkled or they have any sort of, um, uh, you know, crack in them or they're coming away from the glasses, um, you may not want to use them because uh, you could still damage your eye uh, if if there are creases in the glasses. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, yeah. What about photography um, and taking videos and taking pictures? I've heard rumors that you can really damage your camera. Is that true? If you take a picture of the eclipse? No, no. Um, you, it, it depends on how powerful, you know, your lens is and, and you know, what you're focused on on the sun. But um, you can take pictures with your iPhone, your Android phones of the eclipse um, it, it's, you know, you can zoom in on it and take pictures. They do make filters, uh, for cameras that you can use, uh, that, you, that'll give you, you know, some pretty cool pictures back. But I got to tell you, you know, Emily, when, when you're, when you're at an eclipse and if you're going to see that ring of fire and you're going to, uh, experience totality perhaps, uh, in the, in the April 8th total solar eclipse. Just watch it. Watch it and take it in because you know what? There's going to be uh, probably 10,000 other professional photographers <laughs> taking those pictures and you'll be able to look at them afterward. But what you observe and feel is just amazing when uh, either this annular eclipse or the total eclipse uh, moves through. Yeah, it's definitely a bonding experience, I think, with the people that you wind up in the same spot with, too. I, I remember just kind of spending <laughs> hours with those people and waiting it out, and then it happened, and we were all just so excited, and and then we all just went home. <laughs> I know, right? And and so yeah, we're, we're even working at uh, Storm Center. We're working with um, organizations like of Verizon and AT&T because, you know, when so many people travel to those paths of annularity or totality, they want to make sure that everybody has cell phone signals. And, um, 
you know, when you get too many people in one spot, you can overwhelm those networks. So they really want to position additional uh, antennas along that path. Also, because if there are any emergencies, you know, I mean, uh, there are going to be some strange things that happen. You know, when the when the total solar eclipse on April 8th happens, um, people will be probably living under a rock and not know that a, that a path of totality is going to pass over them. They'll be driving down the road and it's going to get pitch black dark in the path of totality. The street lights are going to come on and all that stuff. And uh, they need to keep their eyes on the road. That's uh, what they need to do and stop safely and pull over. And uh, if they don't have eclipse glasses, they should only look at the eclipse when it's in totality. That's when it's spectacular to look at. You can take those glasses off. But then when you start to see that diamond ring, that that shine of the sun just coming through and the Bailey's beads, which which are are incredible, that's when the sun is shining through the mountains and the valleys, the mountain valleys on the moon. And you can see parts of the sun coming through and you can actually see some topography uh, on the moon. And so you start to see those Bailey's beans come out and then you start to see that diamond ring, which is the, the initial flash of, of the sun getting brighter. Boy, it's, it's just uh, really amazing. All right. Let's talk about the role that weather plays in the eclipse of what we can learn from this short period of time when the sun disappears as well. So as far as weather, um, you said you had good clear skies for the last one. Where are you headed for, are you going to be viewing both the annular and the total coming up? And where are you going and where are the good spots when it comes to <laughs> predictable clear skies? <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of, you know, during, you know, the, the nice thing of the annular, nice thing about the annular eclipse there's going to be, um, you know, durations of annularity, for example, like in Dune City, Oregon. You know, it's going to come ashore uh, in Oregon. It could be four minutes and 29 seconds of annularity. So that that is pretty awesome. Um, does it vary? It varies in length in different locations? It does. It does. And as a matter of fact, you know, the, the moon is moving somewhere between... 5,800 miles per hour uh, to when it gets down to Texas, it'll be moving about uh, 1,700 miles per hour. And so the the actual length of annularity varies and uh, it goes from like four minutes and maybe 40 seconds uh, down to uh, around Texas uh, when it when it departs and goes over the Gulf of Mexico about four minutes and 54 seconds. So that, if you're looking for the longest time of uh, annularity, um, it's Corpus Christi, Corpus okay. Christi, Texas. So hmm. uh, that- But do we have now, to worry about thunderstorms there? <laughs> I know, right? You're always thinking about, about that. And, and so if you're, if you're thinking about where you might want to be in a dry place, um, where the path of annularity uh, moves over, um, may, uh, places like New Mexico. Uh, as a matter of fact, Roswell uh, is going to have a uh, annularity. Um, they're in the path of annularity, uh, where the duration is going to be about four minutes and forty seconds uh, or so. Um, but they're going to have a good party. 
No, I know that sounds like a part. May want to just uh, uh, bring your Halloween costume as well. Yeah. <laughs> you can dress up as a, there'll be a bunch of little green men watching this one. I think in Roswell, <laughs> you know the 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 moon when it when it approaches like places like uh, Los Lunas, um, uh, Edgewood, um, Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, the speed of the moon's shadow will be about 2,500 miles per hour. Uh, so it's pretty cool to, to see those sort of things uh, happen. And then, you know, when you get further up towards like um, Texas, uh, Midland, Texas, uh, they're going to be in, in the path of annularity, Odessa, Texas. Those places are normally pretty dry, right? So uh, you have a better chance uh, climatologically of, uh, seeing sunny skies, of course, in the, in the desert Southwest where that path is. So if you're not in that path that we see on the maps from NASA, are you still going to experience something? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, everybody in the United States, uh, in the continental United States is going to experience the eclipse. And if you have these glasses, and you can watch it safely. Uh, I mean, I'm here in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, you know, we can put them on, look up, and you'll see the moon uh, blocking part of the sun. And you can go to NASA's website if you if you just Google NASA eclipse. Um, there's all sorts of information. As a matter of fact, um, they just released uh, and introduced a new 2023 eclipse explorer. So you can actually get onto that website and move yourself around and see how you're going to experience eclipse, what it might look like. And so, so it's an interactive guide uh, to the solar eclipse. And that happens for the annular eclipse uh, coming up this October 14th and also for the total solar eclipse on April 8th. Okay, so how do they um, predict these? So far in advance, because, you know, I think on the news, everybody always hears like, enjoy this. The next one is in four million years. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I feel right. like that's always the trend. So right. um, can you tell me how scientists know these paths so far in advance? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's great. And don't we wish as meteorologists, uh, we could do this kind of calculation ahead of time. <laughs> right. You know? So, but with eclipses, you can do that right? It's all basically orbital mechanics. And so we know the orbits of the earth. We know the orbit of the moon around the earth. Uh, so scientists uh, have come up with the calculations and we can tell you when the next annular eclipse is going to cross, not just the United States, but anywhere in the world where they are going to happen. And uh, that uh, is used quite frequently by eclipse chasers. Uh, so they can make their hotel reservations nine years ahead of time. <laughs> but through those calculations, yep, the next uh, total solar eclipse after the April 8th one is on August 12th, 2045. Wow. Now, is that the the next one ever or the next one that impacts the U.S. or the next one that impacts land? The next one that impacts the U.S. And this is going to be actually a very cool one because it's going to come ashore in Oregon and it's going to dive down and Miami will be in the path of totality. So, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting because, you know, they will likely have king tides. We'll have sea level rise manifesting itself even more. 
uh, significantly by 2045. And then we'll have a period of total darkness. So I predict there's going to be a number of people in Miami that are going to think the earth, uh, the world is ending. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, an incredible experience, uh, but we'll also be dealing with a lot of other issues, too. Interesting. Um, is there anything weird that happens given the fact that it just suddenly gets dark in the middle of the day? And I'm thinking about, you know, you mentioned the tides, the moon impacts our tides. Does anything weird happen there? Does anything weird happen as far as temperature anomalies? Because all of a sudden the sun's not shining on us for four minutes. And I'm curious about like other little things that are impacted by light and dark. Anything from like air travel to AM radio waves. Are any of these things impacted and prepared for? No, that's that's a really great question. And, you know, NASA has... uh, put together these programs where they have citizen science projects and people are uh, being asked to, you know, observe when the eclipse comes around. For example, there has been um, theories and document documented um, uh, proof that animals behave differently during an eclipse. You know, anybody watching uh, or listening to this podcast, if you want to see an eclipse and you're interested in animals, then there are zoos that will be in the path of the eclipse. And Mm. you can go, and I'm sure that NASA would be very interested in the video you take of a particular animal and how it behaves uh, when the eclipse comes over. So, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. Cool idea. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can not just say, okay, I want to go to a place to experience the eclipse, but if I'm curious about something else, if you're curious uh, and you go, you want it to be clear, you want to see it, you want to experience it, and you go to the desert Southwest, take a thermometer with you. Take a thermometer with you because you'll notice a change in the air temperature. You know, because you're blocking that solar radiation from coming in, um, Al, there will be solar radiations being absorbed by the ground and you'll have that radiating up. So um, if the air is very dry, uh, you may notice a distinct change in, uh, in air temperature. I wonder if the, um, like the geoengineering folks pay attention to the difference that it makes and start thinking about like, what kind of fake moon can we come up with to block the sun every <laughs> once in a while and lower air temperature? You know, I'm sure that's crossed somebody's mind. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, the, hey, there are there are proposals that NASA has gotten uh, about launching big mirrors up in into space uh, to yeah. reflect some of the sun out there. And so I think I've seen that one. That yeah, and the, they, the giant sunshade, right? Like just pop <laughs> up the umbrella. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So we've been talking about the moon and the role it's playing, mm-hmm. but like this is very much about the sun too. And the sun's kind of having a moment right now between the eclipses and then also the solar maximum that we're kind of getting into and That's all right. the auroras. So is there any correlation here? Does the the level of the solar maximum have any impact on what we see when it comes to the eclipses? Well, uh, you know, that's a great question too, because solar, the the sun goes through these cycles, these 11 year cycles. Uh, We're approaching at the end of 2024 uh, into early 2025, a solar max, uh, which means the activity on the sun ramps up. And essentially when you have an eclipse, the moon is just, you know, in the orbit where it's blocking that solar radiation and, and blocking 
you know, part or all of the sun to give us a total solar eclipse, um, that doesn't have any effect on the sun's behavior. So less relevant to the eclipse chasers and more relevant to the northern lights chasers, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, NOAA has a website you can go to and you can monitor the forecast for where is a, a, an aurora likely to be seen, you know, what the percentage is and all that stuff. So, so that's very cool as well. Well, Dave, is there anything with Storm Center Communications you want to share about? Any any new books we should keep an eye out for or <laughs> new events coming up that we should look out for? Well, we have a couple of things going on uh, at Storm Center. The, the first thing is that uh, we're, we're fortunate to be working with NASA for the eclipses. And, and we uh, developed a technology uh, called GeoCollaborate, which is a real-time collaborative technology. The first time ever uh, we've been able to connect disparate systems together, laptops, mobile devices, computers. So what that really does is it takes away the frustration of having to search for trusted science data. NASA is uh, funding us to deploy uh, two instances of GeoCollaborate, one to make available to broadcast meteorologists so they can get access to some science data and we're also uh, launching an instance uh, for educators. And so the other thing uh, that, uh, that we have coming out, uh, I'm a co-author on a book uh, with Dr. Ellen Prager. And uh, this book, of it's course- a familiar a, name on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And this book is, is about answering some of the questions uh, common questions, some wacky, some not wacky, uh, about weather, oceans, and climate and climate change. That's amazing. It sounds like you've got some great things going on. Anything else you want to share about the eclipse before we go? Uh, just to make sure that you uh, get these glasses uh, or look at the eclipse indirectly. Get out and, and enjoy it. But remember, you don't have to go far to see the eclipse. Everyone in the U.S. will be able to experience some form of the eclipse. If you want to go to the path of totality, plan your trip for what you want to do and what you want to see. There's going to be a lot of people, particularly on the April 8th, uh, 2024 one. There's about 150 million people that live within a two-hour drive of that path of totality. Dave Jones, Storm Center Communications. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks, Emily. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast and uh, everybody get out and experience nature. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you know someone interested in learning more about the annular or total eclipse, please share this episode with them. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and give me some ideas for future episodes. Special thanks to Dave Jones for joining me today and also to Matt Ferguson and Valerie Smith for participating at the beginning of this episode. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.